Welcome to episode six of the podcast. This week we have my buddy David Woods on the show. Some of you might know him through social media. He's the guy who came up with the product called the Plane Mate. Uh, he's got a bunch of people using it right now, including Rory McElroy. David works at the Vintage Club. Some of you might have even seen the pictures of it with uh, some incredible scenery and visuals and all that. The course looks like it's in incredible shape. We talk a little bit about the Vintage Club. We talk about his time spent with Mike Weir, Masters Champion in 2003. And um, it's just a great episode. So I hope you guys enjoy it. All right, folks. Episode, what number are we, Brandon? Five or six? Six. Episode six of the podcast here with David Woods. David is all over the internet on social media. I'm sure every single person on this planet has seen the plane mate at some point on the internet, and we're going to get into his training aid too. Uh, David is Canadian like me, but uh, made the choice to move to the U.S., uh, so I would love to hear about your, uh, your story coming up, David. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to, to oh, any chance to visit with uh, fellow Canadians, always nice. Um, <laughs> for sure. Anyways, we stick, yeah, we so, stick together. We stick together. Yeah, you know, as Canadians, we stick together. Bonded by, uh, by many things, cold and, and hockey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, anyways, so I've been in the U.S. since 1998. Uh, I, I went to uh, uh, PGM school at Grant McEwen in, in Edmonton, Alberta, uh, back when that program was alive. Uh, for golf management, kind of always wanted to be a club pro, um, worked for legendary club pro Jim Collins at St. Charles Country Club in Winnipeg, where I grew up. And uh, after I graduated from college, um, I came to uh, California to play Golden State Tour, some mini tour stuff. Uh, there was a tour at the time called the Desert Tour I played a little bit on and just kind of fell in love with this area. Um, had the opportunity to, uh, to move down here um, a year or two later after I graduated and uh, been down here ever since. What made you want to jump into the whole teaching thing? Why did you sign up to the PGM program to begin with? Uh, you know, it's a, it's a good question. Um, growing up in Winnipeg, golf uh, was, was a big part of my life, but definitely secondary to hockey. You know, hockey was, was big in my family and uh, where I spent most of my time. But, you know, when I just, when I was thinking about uh, what I wanted to do as an adult, you know, like most people do when they're in high school, um, I just kept kind of coming back to admiring the, the few club pros that I had worked for in my teenage years, you know, when I was picking the driving range at Breezy Bend Country Club, working for Sandy Patterson there, who was a legendary pro for years there. And I just kind of saw that lifestyle as, as something that was intriguing to me, helping people with their golf game, um, kind of being the jack of all trades around the club, managing a golf operation, just kind of, uh, you know, appealed to me. And, and I never really, I, I didn't really set out to be, you know, just a strictly a, a teaching pro. Um, I love to teach. Um, I was also, when I was an assistant, when I first came to California, it was a motivator for me, if, you know, quite honestly, uh, just to make a little bit more money because, you know, as a system pro, you're making nothing. And I, you know, my, my pro uh, at the time that I worked for, who coincidentally was Martin Chuck, Martin, Martin actually hired me, gave me my first job in California when he was the director of golf at, at Indian Ridge Country Club. And he just said, hey, you know, if you want to make more, then get out there and, you know, Uh, learn as much as you can about the golf swing and, and give some golf lessons. Um, and I spent a lot of time teaching in those early years as an assistant and kind of, uh, you know, that kind of furthered my love of instruction and, and in kind of the need to want to learn as much as I possibly could. 
That's uh, that's pretty sweet. I can assure you from experience that being an assistant pro at a golf club makes you nothing. I think I lost. <laughs> I think I lost money, unfortunately, the first year that I coached. But um, obviously, there was yeah. a, a future plan involved with that. Absolutely, yeah. No, I mean it's it's, uh, and I encourage you know my assistants now. I'm like, get out there and you know. I think the challenge too for young assistant pros is they they would all love to teach. They would all you know they'd like to be you know charging whatever they're charging an hour and and uh, increase their revenue, but also uh, be helping people with their game. But I think a lot of them are just kind of intimidated. Um, and they, you know, and, and I try to encourage my guys, there's never really been a better time in, in the history of the game to, to, to make it easy for a young assistant to learn how to coach, just with access to, you know, people like you to watch on, on uh, social media, uh, all the, you know, the, the, the millions of YouTube videos, like you can really kind of, train yourself, you know, the same way as someone could get on there and learn how to play the guitar by watching tabs on, on YouTube. Right. So that, I mean, there's just never been a, an easier way to learn how to be a proficient coach. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I try to spend a lot of my time with my assistants is just, you know, get out of that nervousness of thinking that you don't know and, and figure it out. I think I would be the prime example of that. because I actually never went to any sort of PGA class Um, I never even mentored under a coach, to be completely honest with you. I kind of just started on my own, very much guess and check on the driving range, kind of learning the ins and outs, and then seeing stuff online that I either believed or didn't, and then tried to figure out why it worked. And obviously, absolutely, yeah, ended up working in my favor. But you know, not everybody um, takes that route. Yeah, but you also put the time and effort in. Like you, you definitely have done an amazing job with it. You're you you've done a ton of research. You're you're out there. You're posting a lot. You, you do a good job of explaining your thoughts uh, about the golf swing, which encourages other coaches to, to follow you. Um, and I, I just think, you know, you're either, you're either going hard and learning and, and making it in life or you're, you're watching other people do it. And I think that's, that's the thing that I try to encourage my team is just, you know, come on, let's, let's be entrepreneurial. And, and uh, there's no one, no one cares about you more than you. And you just, you got to get out there and pound the pavement and be successful if, if uh, you know, if you want to make it, you know, to the, to the level that, that uh, you see others around you that you admire, you got to put the time and effort in. I think you nailed the coffin, uh, nailed it um, in terms of when you said there's a fear involved of people putting their stuff on the internet. And to be honest, I kind of had that fear too. Obviously I started really, really early. So I got over that kind of quick, but You know, there's, there is a fear involved when you're maybe not 100% certain of what you're saying or like you, right. you're a, you have a fear of, you know, if somebody gets into a debate with me, I don't know if I'm going to be able to prove them wrong or this and that. And they end up kind of restricting themselves from being able to actually post their information online. I tell everybody, I would rather every single coach in the world put their stuff on the internet because you're either going to prove somebody that you know what you're talking about or you're going to learn yourself and then get better as a coach. So there's no, yeah, real, exactly. there's no real yeah, downside yeah. to posting yourself on the internet. Either you gain from it or you win from it and showing somebody that you know what you're talking about. Right. And, and every, uh, and, and we're getting deep into, into different territory here, but I, you know, like every person in my, you know, my, my theory just on growth, whether it's in life or, or as an instructor or, or whatever job you have is just being really self-aware, you know, know what you're really good at, know where your deficiency are, deficiencies are, and be willing to kind of put yourself out there, like you mentioned, and, and, and learn a little bit. Uh, you know, you, you can't be a better person if you don't know what you're not great at. 
And uh, people that are not self-aware, I kind of giggle at, you know, like we, we can all see the down, the, you know, the you know, kind of the, the faults in other people. And I see the faults in myself. It doesn't mean you're always changing them, but you, you know, the more you're aware, the better chance you have to grow. For sure. So where are you coaching now at this present moment? What course are you part of? Uh, I'm at the Vintage Club in Indian Wells, California. I've been, uh, been the director of golf here for 12, this is my 12th year. Um, came in here, I was 33 years old, replacing a retiring pro that was in his 70s. So there was an adjustment, certainly for the membership here to have a young guy coming in. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just been great. You know, I was uh, fortunate to be at a place, uh, the Vintage Club, honestly, I don't, you know, for those of you who have heard of it, um, you, you kind of know the mystique of it. And those of you ha- you know, haven't heard of it, it's, uh, it's one of the, uh, the, the gems of golf in, in, uh, at least in private country clubs in the United States. It's, uh, it's a spectacular place. David, any single person who has seen pictures of this place on the internet must marvel at what you do for a living because the, the, the views and the pictures and the scenery is literally second to none, I think, from any course I've seen in the U.S., do you, uh, how many, first of all, how many courses are there on the property right now? Yeah, we have 36 holes, both Tom Fazio design courses. Uh, we have, and they're, and they're both very different from each other, but equally impressive. Uh, we've got a, uh, desert, uh, more of a desert skates course. And then we have our mountain course, which is more parkland up against the mountains here. Um, which is great for the membership. Cause you know, it seems like a lot of 36 hole facilities, there'll be one course. that's kind of like the main course everybody wants to play and, and the other course just kind of secondary. This, this place has, you know, pretty much equal rounds on both sides. Um, you know, people really enjoy the, uh, you know, the views from, from both golf courses and playability standpoint as well. So do you have a favorite hole on the property that you, that either you like or dislike in the sense that like it always gets you and you end up scoring really poorly on? Um, that's a good question. I, I, I would say I have a hole that I really like that I think everybody that, that comes here uh, when they get to the 16th hole on the mountain golf course, it's your jaw drops. I mean, it's, it's, uh, every year it's voted best hole in the Coachella Valley here. Um, it is just spectacular. I'm sure, you know, if you follow me on, on Instagram, probably seen pictures of that hole from time to time. Um, but it is, uh, it's probably the most photographed hole, certainly, uh, for, for the guests and the members that, that, that play here. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen pictures of it and I would agree for all the listeners right now that the course and that hole specifically is pretty nuts yeah it's pretty pretty spectacular you know it was, it was great you know this place is, has been around since 1980 uh but in 2015 fazio came back and it was one of his last pro you know he's done a few things since then but he, you know he's kind of in that point where he's winding his career down and and uh he completely remodeled our mountain golf course and just made it so much better i mean it was already nice but it is it's off the charts now it was voted uh, golf digest best remodel in 2015 um, and it, it definitely holds up. So, um, I, obviously I've, I've seen your stuff a lot on social media. I mean, you just mentioned that you, you know, you tend to post pictures every now and again of the vintage club on your, on your stuff. What made you start your Instagram page? Cause you're huge now. I mean, you, obviously I'm sure you're very well known in the golf industry anyways, just because of your history. And we're going to get into some of that with Mike Weir and stuff, but, um, you know, over a hundred thousand followers on social, on Instagram, constantly uh see you chilling and hanging with tour players i mean it looks like you're living the life obviously so what made you uh <laughs> w- want to go the social media route yeah it sounds like i'm on, on a vacation but i'm not i'm working hard every day <laughs> oh, I, I, trust me I, mean, yeah. I get i get those same comments and i can assure I you know, I, 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 I know you're working hard for sure 
Yeah, no, it's it's great. I and you know, fortunately here at the Vintage Club, I've got an unbelievable team around me. Um, we've got uh, a staff of, of about uh, twenty five. Um, I've got you know, the, the Vintage Club is kind of known for its excessive service. Um, I've got uh, nine guys that work outside for me. You know, kind of our our outside service staff, but they're made up all all nine of them are PGA professionals, which is I I, I got to think it's the only club in the country that has you know, all of their team outside is all pros. Um, and it just, it really allows me to have a class level all the way through. So yeah, I know it's been great, but to answer your question, just, uh, it was kind of funny. The, the, the reason I started an Instagram page was not to do anything that it's kind of become. I was, um, we spend uh, some time on Lake Cowichan on Vancouver Island in the summertime at my in-laws place, uh, getting away from the heat here. And, uh, we were on about a five day, uh, run of, of rain there. And I just, you know, I, I I wasn't familiar with Instagram at all, so it was just me literally messing around and posted a few pictures and a few swings and, and uh, you know, immediately got kind of some traction. And and then I just, you know, Googled, you know, kind of, you know, how do you get, you know, more activity on your Instagram? And, and anyone can do this, right? You just, I mean, as you know, you just, you got to be posting interesting things and you got to be doing it often. And that's kind of the formula on Instagram. Um and it's it's kind of hard to do that if you're not somewhere where you've got interesting things to post. But that that's that was kind of the beginning of of that whole thing, and it just kind of took off. And it's been kind of funny to, to me, really, because as you know, like Instagram, it's kind of like fake fame, right? <laughs> you know, like certainly, uh, you know, we're not famous by any stretch of the the imagination, but it just it puts you in front of an audience they normally wouldn't have access to. Is probably as simple as I can put it. Yep, I would agree with that. I think the only place that anybody would get recognized for having Instagram fame in our world would be like at the PGA show in January. Yeah. Every now and again, I'll go yeah. down for some work and somebody will stop me and say like, hey, I really like your social media work. But beyond that, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just, funny. at the end of the day, it's just yeah. Instagram. We're just working with a bunch of golfers. It's just, you know. Yeah, it's just golf. But it is funny. I mean, I get so so many obscure places that people will stop me and say, hey, are you David Woods? And it just get my wife just rolls her eyes. If You know, we got out of the car. My son played in the uh, in the world junior at U.S. Uh, U.S. kids event at Pinehurst uh, summer before last. And he's he, he would have been about 10 years old. We pull up to valet when we arrived there and the valet opens the back door first and so, and and you know, addresses Austin by by name and says, hey, I follow your dad on Instagram. I just uh, you know, stuff like that's funny. People in airports or whatever, but yeah, it's pretty, pretty hilarious. What does your uh, kid, what does Austin think of the social media stuff? Does he not care at all? Nah, he doesn't care. He, you know what? It's funny. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. He, which, which I really like, like my son is probably one of the few kids that's 12 that doesn't own a phone. He's only on his iPad on the weekends. He like, we're pretty focused on school. Uh, you know, he, he's a, he's a 4.0 student works real hard. My daughter as well. And uh, he's just not enamored by that stuff. Like he, he's fortunate. Like he, he's living a dream life. There's no question. I remind him of that every day. But you know, just if you know, if you're into golf and and you're living in our world, it's it's pretty it's pretty special for a young kid. Um, and he's grateful for that for sure, because he spends you know he'll play golf with Jason Day or he'll play golf with Matt Kuchar and and his sons. And he's just not enamored by it at all. Like he would, you know, I know kids that would stand there on the range and watch Jason day hit balls for five hours. You know, Austin wants to do it for five minutes and then he's like, dad, let's just go play golf. You know, he just, he doesn't get too, <laughs> too excited about it. And I think that's a good thing. You know, that just, you know, I'd rather him be thinking that he can go out and beat those guys rather than, you know, standing there in awe of them. 
I'll tell you what, as a golf coach, I've seen his swing on social media, and I got to tell you, his swing's looking pretty damn good. Yeah, it's getting there. You know, he's 12, so, you know, like when, when people see it, there's little, you know, there's definitely things that, that he's doing. He's jumping, he's doing a lot of stuff, but I don't want to touch that stuff because, you know, that's where he's gaining the strength. He weighs 97 pounds, and he hits it about 250, 260. I mean, there's no way he could hit that far if he wasn't moving as much as he's moving. So, you know, all that stuff gets cleaned up over time. We work on more, you know, more of the fundamental things like, he gets laying it off pretty hard in the backswing. We, you know, we work a lot on trying to stand the shaft up a little bit more and is, in, you know, getting through P2, 3, and 4, just trying to get it just a little bit more stood up. Um, you know, just, just stuff like that. But we've worked really hard on, on face control because growing up for me, I was, you know, probably like you, you know, you, I, would, I was learned to swing out to the right and roll the face over and hit big draws. And that, you know, that's the death of me when I'm, when I'm doing that. So, I just, you know, from the beginning, since Austin was a little kid, I just taught him to have a ton of face control. And that's why you see him kind of hitting a lot of hold off shots. Um, you know, I, I want him to be powerful, but I want that face under control. I mean, at 12 years old, hitting a 250, 260, he's well on his way to uh, hitting it over 300 in about five years. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, he's, uh, he's determined. He's a, he's a competitor for sure. So do you get him playing a bunch of junior events right now? Yeah, yeah, he's play, he played in the IMG World this last year. Uh, he played in the Callaway World as well. Uh, and then he just, you know, he plays local stuff. We kind of mix it around. Like, there's some local stuff, which is, you know, not as deep a competition for him, but it's right in our backyard. So, you know, it's just racking up another, you know, tournament round. Um, he, in two weeks, he's got, uh, he's going to try to qualify for the Toyota Tour Cup, which is a Southern California um, tour for, for juniors. But it's, you know, 12 to 18-year-olds. So, you know, the chances of him qualifying from 6,800 yards at 12 is probably slim. But I thought, yeah, it would be a good opportunity for him to go out and kind of challenge himself. And I'm not expecting a lot because, you know, he's normally plays, you know, his tournaments are typically from like 5,800 yards to 6,000 yards. So it'll be a bit of a stretch. But it'll be good for him to test himself. So for you as a father who obviously knows a lot about the golf swing, um, what would you tell other parents then who are trying to get their kids into golf? Is there something you typically focus on or is your priority or has it always just been like excitement, have a good time, have a blast, and then the improvement is going to come with your, your enjoyment of the game? Yeah, for sure. No, I'll, I'll walk you through kind of what I did with him real briefly here. Um, and, and let's be honest, it helps that A, his dad's a golf pro. B, he has access to golf, which a lot of kids don't have, unfortunately. Um, so that, that's a challenge I, I, that I understand for, for people. Um, but what I did at first, you know, when he was like barely walking, I would take him out to play and I would sit him down on the tee next to the right-hand tee marker and I would tee off and just let him kind of watch and giggle and he'd kind of get startled by the sound of the ball. And, and, you know, as he got a little bit older, I would just have him putt. I'd say, hey, we're going to be a team. I'm going to play. You're going to putt. Then as he got a little bit better with that, I'd say, okay, now you're chipping and putting, and now you're hitting the wedge shot to the green, and I'm driving. Just it, otherwise, it's boring. Like I have so many friends whose kids start and then quit because it's hard, right? So you know, in between that and and going to the range, and you know, never make a kid hit a ball off the grass. You know, just put it on a tee, even if they're hitting a nine iron. Just you know, give them the joy of seeing it up in the air. Um, but just you know, making it fun and make your kids play multiple sports. You know, we have friends that we know uh, that we compete against that are great kids, super golfers. They play one sport, and they're they, to me, it, it's going to be a challenge down the road. Like, you're destined for boredom if you've got your kid, you know, in one 
one activity from the time they're 10 years old on. By the time they get to 15 and 16, you, you better hope they really love the game to, you know, to not burn out. Um, and, and, and as you know, uh, you know, all the experts kind of point in that direction that, you know, multiple sport athletes uh, are the most diverse and, and certainly uh, uh, it helps their speed and their, and their, you know, their, their lower body strength. So, yeah, I mean, that would be my suggestion. Just make it fun. And, and uh, you know, I'm not a perfect model for it. There's days that I'm frustrated with him out there and the two of us are yelling at each other. <laughs> I have to take a step back. And, you know, I stopped caddying for him. I got a buddy of mine who, uh, in the events that they allow a caddy, uh, I've got a buddy of mine who, who uh, really enjoys being around him. He's a former golf pro. He actually caddied for Hal Sutton on tour years ago. And he loves to go out there with Austin. And the two of them have fun. And I can just watch from a distance and just stick to being the coach and, get away from, you know, being the caddy. I love that you said to play multiple sports because, you know, I, I don't have a kid yet, but I deal with a lot of professional athletes just because in golf, you know, as you already know, athletes of all other sports love playing golf on the side, right? This is like a yeah. common thing. Um, so I got a lot of NHL guys who come in here and, and hit golf balls oftentimes with me and whatever, and we'll talk about their golf swing. I swear to you, the most consistently long players I work with are athletes of other sports. It's incredible how good they are at generating speed and their body movements are so efficient because they just understand mechanics on a level that is just be, like beyond just golf within itself. Right. I always encourage people to, to play other sports because you're going to develop hand-eye coordination. You're going to develop other skills uh, that you might not necessarily learn in golf, but that could be to your advantage. And um, yeah, I think, I think it's great personally. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, uh, it's funny, I've been coaching uh, Timu Solani a little bit the last uh, several months. And you talk about a guy who's got incredible eye-hand coordination. He's world-class athlete, one of the best NHL players of all time, in my opinion, Hall of Famer. Um, very kind of handsy, armsy, narrow swinger that shoots 70 to 75. Um, and it just shows you, like, if you're an athlete, you're an athlete, um, you know, and, and, you know, all we do is take a guy like that and try to get him, you know, a little quieter, a little bit more body rotated, you know, similar, similar to the stuff that you do, get a little bit more center of mass behind the hand pass and, you know, clean him up that way. All right, David, this is a perfect moment then, because if I'm not mistaken, I have seen Timo Solani using the plane mate. And so, yeah, he. Yeah, that's that's how I first. Uh, I think that's how I first met Timo. This is a good uh, introduction. Then I want you to talk about that a little bit because obviously, yeah, for sure. Have with with your ex boss, as I just now learned, I actually did not know that you had worked for Martin. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, Martin. You know, I worked for Martin just briefly in in two thousand and two thousand one, uh, and then he moved on to another uh, club pro job. But uh, we've stayed, you know, close friends ever since. And, you know, I'm, I'm always one to say, hey, you know, what about this idea? What about that idea? I'm a big supporter of him and, and his, his uh, company, Tour Striker. And, you know, I, I love seeing my friends do well. So, you know, anytime I, I have some, some, you know, an idea. But when I had this idea, I'm like, I'm not just going to give this to Martin. We're going <laughs> to do something together on this. And I'm glad we have because it's been unbelievable so right here. Was this you that came up with this on your own? Well, like before, yeah, I'll before introducing kind of, it to Morgan. Yeah, so I'll walk you through kind of what happened. So what happened was I had watched a video that Martin had done, I think it was on Revolution Golf, where he had tied a stretchy, you know, surgical tubing to his belt on his right hip, and like just his pant belt, and tied a knot around the balance point on the shaft. 
And in the video, he was just kind of demonstrating. He wasn't hitting shots with it at all. He wasn't even really swinging. He was just demonstrating like a backswing to get people to be a little bit more, you know, laid off for the guy who kind of, uh, you know, whips the handle inside and crosses it up, you know, back, back before anyone even talked about, you know, crossing it up being okay. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so this was kind of like, Hey, you want to look like Adam Scott at the top kind of laid off. And I saw that and I was like, gosh, and I've all, and I was that way. I was crossed up at the top and, you know, steep handle puller. And, I've seen, I've seen your swing online, David. I know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And, and I thought, gosh, you know, if you could hit shots with this, uh, to, you know, th- that would be next level. And I thought, gosh, if, if this was, if one end was attached to a rail system where you put stretch on the band, it would shallow you when you relax, but you'd be able to, you know, gather the ball at the bottom and get into a finished position, you know, that'd be awesome. So I kind of explained my idea to Martin. He's like, yeah, let me think about that. And, you know, he tinkered around in his workshop and I, I messed around a little bit and, and we came up with this, you know, basically a, a, a pretty, not a weak prototype, but a, a very, you know, original prototype of what now is the Playmate, which was a swing jacket rail that we, uh, we a rail, we cut off a swing jacket uh, that was sitting around in Martin's garage and then took it to a cobbler and he just attached it to like a, an old brown leather pant belt. And it kind of worked so-so. Um, and then we thought, gosh, we need this bar to be more stable we need the we need the rail to not be so bent because that swing jacket had a big curve to it. Um, so we just you know did a couple of iterations of it, and before we kind of went to you know to, to market with it, we had a, a, a pretty reasonable uh, prototype that uh, you can still see some of those prototype swings on my on my Instagram where I had like Luke List in it and Kucher was in it, and you know several guys like that. Uh, uh, Nelly Corda was in it. Um, Anyways, and then, uh, yeah, we just, from there, we just decided to be, you know, to be equal partners in it. And uh, we put it under the Tour Striker brand. So it, it, what was really important for me was, you know, my, my main job or my, my only job is to work for the Vintage Club. That's my priority. Take care of my members and, and be here and do some coaching. Um, so to partner with Martin, where he's already has the infrastructure set up with Tour Striker, he's got a warehouse, he's got the contacts in, in uh, overseas where it's built. Uh, it just made perfect sense and be able to do it. Fortunately to be able to do it with, with my close friend was, has, has been fantastic. Uh, I think between Martin and I, you know, we're pretty, we've got a pretty deep reach in the golf business between the two of us. Um, so it's kind of been a bit of a perfect storm over the last, uh, five, six months. Um, you know, we're, we're, you know, the biggest challenge is just, you know, keeping enough product to, to deliver to our customers. Uh, currently, currently sold out. We're awaiting um, the current shipments. Going to be here in about three weeks. But honestly, that that shipment is going to be sold out by the time it lands here. So uh, the, the next shipment will come the following month. And you know, we're just kind of going along by that. It's not so much poor planning. You know, people look at that and be like, "Oh my God!" You know, you guys got to get more products. But they don't really realize we're running a business where the supply is out. You know, is is not uh, keeping up with the demand. It's it's there's a million you know, challenges that, that go along with that when you're dealing with, you know, foreign company, foreign, foreign country making your product. So in all honesty, obviously you guys have huge reaches on social media. Did you expect it to get as much buzz as it's getting? Cause you see guys no. like, you see guys like Rory using it and then, you know, like you're set because he obviously used the smart ball before from Martin's products. 
Yeah, yeah. And, yep, you, and you see him using your training aid. How did did you guys get it into his hands, or did he just randomly pick it up? You know, it's it's funny, uh, Rory. I forget where I was when I saw this, but like, I almost, I'm sure I'm like you. Like, I never look at who's following me. Following me, if you get, you know, thirty whatever, fifty followers a day, I don't yeah. scroll through to see who they are. I yeah. just happened to look in, I just happened to look at my mentions where Rory had just followed me. And I was like, what the heck is this? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I just noticed. And then within probably a day or so, he just sent me a direct message, um, you know, saying hello and, uh, you know, inquiring about the plane mate. Um, so we, we, we sent him one. And then I just kind of made him a video just in my living room, just saying, Hey, here's, you know, here's what I want you to do. You're probably not going to take the time to watch the protocols on the website and all that. Here's, here's just what I want you to do with it or what I think, you know, how it'll help, help, uh, you know, with a tour level swing. And most of the guys on tour are, you know, they already shallow the club for, for the most part. So they're, they're basically using it for aggressive, you know, exit rotation and making sure they got stability and, and they don't stall out with their hips and, and, and get a lot of forearm pro, you know, getting that right arm pronating so much. And that's, you know, that, that's what he's enjoyed it for is just, you know, a tighter pattern with his wedge shots. And I think we saw that at, at the Zozo, you know, we, we've seen it into the fall here. I mean, he definitely, uh, uh, you, I think you'll see by the end of 2020, that stat that, that he was about 200th in the world is going to get really good. Yeah, I uh, I don't doubt it one bit. I can see a lot of players getting some some gains from a, a product like that for sure, especially on the rotary part, as I'm sure you've seen me yeah. get players to do a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I want to talk about one last thing here, and then I'll let you go because I know you're busy doing some stuff. Talk us through the whole uh, Mike Weir situation. I know you coached him at the Masters. Uh, I just want, honestly, uh, even outside of that, I just would like to know what your opinion was as a coach the first time even showing up on the grounds at Augusta were you starstruck was there anything that stood out that you're like holy shit I didn't really think that was the same like it was on television yeah no okay that's, that's great so I've known Mike for 20 years um he he was uh so his former caddy Brennan Little who uh is from the Toronto area um was was good friends with Martin Chuck you know it's all this small little world right of everybody that knows everybody yeah and when when Mike would come to the desert uh, back when I was an assistant at Indian Ridge and, and when I became the director of golf there, he would usually post up there and practice. Um, he was working with Mike Wilson, who was his coach for years. Great guy, good friend of mine. Um, and Brennan would be around a lot. Brennan used to be an assistant at Indian Ridge as well before he decided to caddy for Mike. Um, so it's just kind of small world stuff. So I've known Mike for years. Um, and then I can't remember when it exactly happened, but uh, we made Mike a member at the vintage he had come out and uh, and helped me out with my golf school one year early on when i first came uh to the to uh, the vintage club and uh we th that year we had two you know mike was hanging out here a little bit and so was matt kuchar my, matt was here a lot and i just went to our board and said hey listen these guys are here all the time we should just make them members it's, you know it's kind of a nice thing to do and and uh it's nice for our members too because they'll they'll feel like they they want to spend a little time here um, so once we did that, Mike was just around a lot. He was hurt. You know, if you remember, he, he, uh, he had this pretty severe, uh, injury to his elbow and he was out for, geez, I don't know how long it was. It was a, at least a year. I think that he was, he was off the game. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, well, he was still recovering, but hadn't really, uh, hadn't really hit a ball yet. 
um, he and I were just talking about skiing and this and that. And I, I just kind of, you know, I just, you know, stuck my neck out and sent him a video of me just talking to the camera saying, Hey, listen, here's, I've studied a ton of your swings when it, when it was going bad at the end here before the injury. And here's what I think you could do to be better. And, you know, I, he just basically said, yeah, well, let me come out and we'll mess around. And it was probably, I don't know, a couple months later that, you know, we never really said that I was his coach or he never said I was his coach or I wasn't telling people I was his coach. Um, and it was a couple months later, I, I, somebody forwarded me a, an article where Mike had called me his coach in, in some, some article in Canada. And that was kind of it, you know? So, um, then he asked me to go to the 2012 masters with him, And yeah, I, it was, you know, to answer your question, was I starstruck out there to be out there? Not really. Cause I, I was really fortunate to have had the opportunity to play. I've played Augusta national three times. Um, and that first time I played there, that's when I was really in awe of the place. And geez, like after my first round there, I had tears in my eyes, you know, we were, we were staying in the cabins there. And I just remember thinking, I can't believe kid from Winnipeg, and here I am playing Augusta National. I never ever thought I'd even go to the Masters when I was a kid. So, right. so that was so pretty by, cool. So, so by the time you so got with go, Mike, it was just like you had already done yeah, it before. Yeah, not not so much that because I had never been to the Masters, and that was a whole nother thing. You know, even if I was there as a spectator, I would have been in awe of like just with all the the hoopla that goes on there. Um, so that that was really cool. But I, I will say that to stand on the driving range as a coach, coaching. Uh, at the Masters to a former Masters champion was it definitely made me stop and recognize what I was doing for that for that you know few days it was it was awesome you know and kind of just seeing all the guys Tiger hitting balls next to us and kind of you know BSing with with Mike a little bit and uh, it, it was it was really fun and and uh, and it probably wasn't that much longer after that 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 we parted ways. Um, and the cool thing is right when Mark, uh, when Mike and I started working together, because we're real good friends and we were good friends before, I wanted to make sure that we were always going to be good friends. Cause I knew this was probably not going to be a lifetime thing. Uh, and we always just said, Hey, whenever this is done, just let's go have a beer and go back to being buds. And, and we've done a great job of that. I talk to Mike all the time. Um, he's come back into my, my golf school many times. We've skied together since we, you know, we do stuff together. He's, He's a wonderful, wonderful guy, a great ambassador for Canada. I, I just, I couldn't be more proud of my buddy. And I'll tell you what, he's, he's doing some good work right now with Blackburn. And I think, uh, I think you'll be surprised to see him play some pretty good golf uh, on, on the Champions Tour once he, uh, w- once he turns 50 here in May. I'll, I'll see him out there this year because I'll be there with Steven. So um, I'll go. Uh, I'll go yeah, I've, I've, I've actually never spoken to Mike, so I'll go introduce him and uh, talk shop with him. About yeah, you. for sure. He's he's a great guy. You'll you'll enjoy meeting him for sure. He's he's uh, he's good. But uh, so okay. Yeah, so when no, you were, he's, uh, yep. so yeah. When you were playing the Masters, what hole? Then was there any hole that you saw that you're like, oh, this is not like it looks like on television? Probably. Hard. Yeah, I would imagine I, harder and more slope. Yeah. For anyone who's never been to, have you been there? I have not been there, but I've only heard every single person tell me that the thirteenth hole is way more undulated than it looks on television. Yeah, it's like sideways. Like it is on a. It looks like it, it, it'd be like being in a turn at Daytona. I mean, it's uh, you got to hit it way up to the right. Anyways, the every hole you play there is different than you expect. Even the first hole you see it on TV looks kind of straight out. 
I mean, it, it goes way down on a dip and then climbs back up to where those bunkers are on the, on the right. Um, two is extremely downhill. Uh, eight and nine, you know, eight's going up the hill, nine back down around dog leg left. Ten is straight down a mountain. Like, you could ski down ten. So, yeah, I mean, just the, the undulation out there. And, and also the thing that, that catches your eye when you, when you play there is how wide open it is. You can kind of drive it almost anywhere. I mean, there's, there's a couple holes that could get you, but there's a lot of room off the tee at Augusta. Um, 11, you got to drive it good. Uh, two, you could get in, into a little trouble up the left. Uh, but for the most part, five, five is a, you know, you got to drive it pretty good on five. But uh, for the most part, there's a lot of room out there. It's just, you know, and the greens are insane. You know, like, like it's, it's as if they buried a bunch of elephants out there underneath some of those, some of those uh, putting surfaces. But it's a special place. There's, there's, you know, the, the mystique around it is, is, uh, it, it lives up to it for sure. Okay. So one last thing I'm going to ask you then, are you, are you actually going to tell me that you're a Jets fan? Uh, absolutely Jets fan. Come on. <laughs> you can't grow up in Winnipeg and not be a Jets fan. <laughs> obviously, obvi- obviously, as you know, I cannot agree with this because I'm from Montreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Uh, yeah. You're, uh, if, if you, if you grew up in Montreal and you're not a Habs fan, they're running out of town. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I don't. I don't know what it's like watching a game at in the Jets arena, but um, for all the hockey hockey fans out there, I think any stadium or arena you go to in Canada as a whole, you're gonna have a an experience that you will never get in the U.S. Yeah, there's no question. Yeah, it's it's uh, hockey is definitely the lifeblood of uh, of Canada. No matter what anybody says, I they they say lacrosse is the national sport of Canada, which I, I don't know how that's even written anywhere. Somebody actually said that because I've never heard that before, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Google it. That's, uh, yeah, that, I'm just going to disagree with that politely and leave Me it too. at that. <laughs> exactly. For sure. All right, dude. Well, I, uh, I appreciate you coming on and talking shop a little bit. For uh, those of you who want to check David out, uh, he's all over the fucking world on social media. It's kind of hard to miss him. Uh, so you want to uh, just uh, tell people where you're at online, David? Yeah, it's uh, at David Woods PGA on uh, in, on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, I don't really do Facebook much, just more family stuff. But uh, yeah, the bulk of what I post, and you know, I I think the the reason there's a lot of same same for you is you know, for anyone out there who's looking to try to get some traction on on Instagram, for example, is uh, you know, if you want to post stuff about your you know going to going to, you know, to amusement park or whatever you're doing, do that on a different page. But, you know, whatever you're trying to, to be in promotion of, whether it's the game of golf or something else, just stick to that and, and make sure you've got consistent content. And I think that's what, what people kind of find on your Instagram and my Instagram is, you know, if they want to see all things golf. That's where they come. Oh, yeah. I, um, I don't even have a private page because I'm not a pu- very public person about my personal life. But um, if, if, even if I were to post it, I would not be doing it on the golf page for sure. Yeah, exactly. All right, dude. Well, well, I, uh, well thanks, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, dude, it was uh, a total blast. I appreciate it. And we'll, uh, we'll get you go- again on soon, probably in the new year. And, you got uh, it. And talk some new stuff. You got it. Sounds great. Have a great day. You too, buddy. Thank you to my buddy, David Woods, for coming onto the show. As always, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, How's My Hand Path. Um, you can also check us out on social media under the handles Golf or my personal account, Skiing Golf, where I post a bunch of uh, work with my students. You can also check us out on Twitter. We post a bunch of informative content as well about the golf swing and, and things of that nature. So, um, yeah, be sure to check us out and uh, stay tuned for some cool episodes coming up.